So this is a sutta called the simile of the poisonous snakes or vipers. Because mm. suppose there were four vipers of fierce heat and deadly venom. Then a man would come along wanting to live, not wanting to die. Desiring happiness and adverse to suffering. They would tell him, good man, these four vipers are of fierce heat and deadly venom. From time to time they must be lifted up. From time to time they must be bathed. From time to time they must be fed. And from time to time they must be laid to rest. But if one or another of these vipers ever becomes angry with you, then, good man, you will meet death or deadly suffering. Do whatever has to be done. Mm. A little bit later on in the discourse says, I have made up this simile because in order to convey a meaning, this is the meaning here. The four vipers of fierce heat and deadly venom, this is the designation for the four great elements, earth, water, heat and air. They're saying, he's, you know, it's not saying those are like beautiful energies that you must connect with and mm. appreciate cultivate and cultivate those energies so that you can. He's saying these are poisonous. Deadly vipers, vipers. kill you with a whim. That's yeah, the thing. Like you can look. Up, now that's yeah. the thing with snakes. You can. That's why the word gave that simile. You can look after. You can bathe. You can feed. And they can still bite you because they have no concept of, of, of what you're doing. So you can do everything right, in other words, and still get bitten. It's not like a you know, dog will bite you when he's upset. Or a, a leopard will attack you if he's threatened. Mm-hmm. The snake will just bite you and misperceives you or whatever. Even if you're feeding it and bathing it and looking after it. So that's why it's a similar, like, oh, the man would still like be scared. Oh, these, these vipers need to be lifted up, cleaned fed bathe yeah they might bite you so so you'll be scared because there is no guarantee that you will not get bitten even if you do everything right so all your exercise in other words it's it's not yeah yeah it's not in your control you can do everything right and still die on account of it and what is the four great elements what is the the closest to you that is made out of four great elements your body yeah entirely entirely not parts of your body and then there are other b- parts of your body that are yours your body in its entirety are the four vipers so the four whimsical elements that you don't really exist for so to speak that's the thing like snake doesn't have awareness of you as its carer feeder it's literally just it sees what's in the front, it reacts, it acts, it changes, and you, you cannot connect to it, like form a relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Like even, even people who actually do have snakes as pets, they look after them, one wrong move and you can get bitten. Because it's not, there's no, no perception of it in the snake. So there's no perception in the four great elements of you that, that oh, he is our master or he's our basically um, our friend our individual we are bound with not at all they have their own course and uh, you are paired with a body that is comprised of four great elements for as long as that body is there basically doing its own thing when that changes you will not be able to remain no matter how friendly you are to no it, matter what how much you look after it no the matter extent how of your ownership n- no, yeah exactly you know you, know, you can't prevent it you can't prevent yeah. it but it's it seems to be that that's the perception you should be developing yes. towards those well you have to because unless for as long as you're seeing your own body the elements that, that are comprising it in friendly terms you're not going to be seeing the danger by not seeing the danger, you will remain infatuated uh, and uh, assuming the ownership of it. That's just the result of not seeing the danger. So if you start regarding it as deadly vipers, whereby there is no wrong move that you can do, and they'll still kill you, they still might kill you uh, at any given time, and being completely unaware that they're killing you, they'll just do it. Mm. As in even the concept of you dying means nothing to them. Then you would you would be you what well, you would think twice before you regard that as friendly and 
and mine and, and worth uh, finding joy in and using it for pursuit of pleasure. Contemplate those elements, you know, what are you supposed to be looking for? Like, is it well, what, the, you, what, what you, you shouldn't, yeah, what you shouldn't be doing is starting with your idea of elements and then applying it to you because it's already going to be misconceived. So, so you, you want to, you want to do it, you want to find or discern the elements within first discerning the proper phenomenon of your body for what it is. So the recognizing certain facticity of the body and then within that discerning these characteristics of solid, um, liquid, fiery, just again as properties of the body because of which body is there. So not, not optional. Oh, I can see it like this or I can know. These four things are to be cultivated because by discerning these four properties of this body, you get to discern that the universal properties of anything that appears. Anything that appears shares the property of solid, liquid, airy, or fiery. So that's how you would then realize that this tiny body, less than two meters tall, in comparison you know, to the mountains and seas and oceans, is made of the same elements, literally. And you could see like how much wind blows and rains and... Uh, earthquakes and landslides and trees falling and mountains crumbling what is then to expect of this tiny quite precious precarious little kind of compound of flesh which is made of exactly the same elements like the world around you world around you that you see constantly changing and crumbling and disintegrating and forming and reforming so contemplating seeing these characteristics of the greater universal nature of, of, of form deforming that is it in its nature but you can see that on the level of idea of, uh, of visualization and and that's not it you need to see through the body that is yours to begin with because that's how then that seeing it in the right order will basically undermine your sense of ownership of that body you're if saying. you're just seeing it in the level of theory it's you're not undermining anything you again you're just sort of contemplating fantasizing theoretically but if you first, okay, this is body here, seated position, breathing, having degree of warmth, degree of solidity, <coughs> cohesion, whatever we want to describe these characteristics, and then allow those characteristics to endure, because even that in itself you realize, oh, that body is given to you the way, the way you're seeing it. In, in other words, you, you, you cannot kind of go behind it and have a say in its creation or its persistence. It's there, but it can also not be there if, if it decides to die or something happens to it. So no amount of your control, intention, volition can step outside and go and kind of repossess that body externally and truly become the owner master of it. It's always secondary to it. If you pursue that same contemplation, that kind of impenetrable nature of the body on account of which your whole life depends, then you already are discerning the, 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 the characteristics of the four <coughs> elements, which are pretty much impenetrable like you, you, you cannot I mean can you literally can you even conceive can you find it stopping the wind stopping the air from moving I mean is that you can't you can't even imagine that like it would be ridiculous and yeah that's exactly what your body is made of the same characteristics of the same wind of the same heat or getting angry yeah. well yeah getting angry getting lustful all of that requires that basis of assumed ownership first <clears throat> so you can use that as a as a symptom, as an um, indication. Or am I getting angry? Am I getting lustful? If so, means I'm not really uh, contemplating the body on the right terms. Because if I were to do so, I would not be uh, prone to lust or aversion. You just couldn't, you wouldn't be able to give into anger or or attraction to something that's going to kill you. That can kill to that which is kind of completely outside of your scope even of, of, of imaginary control, if you look at it closely, the, the clearer it becomes, you realize you can't <coughs> even fathom how it would be. The only reason you, you, you assume the ownership and the sense of control over the body is because you never really ever think about the nature of, oh, this is, this is inaccessible to me. But the more you think about it, the less you'll be able to then drift away in those assumptions of ownership. But it's unpleasant. From the point of view of ownership, the sense of non-ownership is fearful and frightening. It's scary. 
So that's why, like again, people would need to have had some sense restraint and sila developed beforehand. Otherwise, you're just going to be filling yourself with anxiety, and you will not know how to deal with it because you haven't um, you haven't developed strength on account of restraining your behavior beforehand. So that's why you have to regard it as deadly vipers. Now, everything like shorter than that will still, could still have lingering attitudes of friendliness and ownership towards it. Oh, okay, it's not, you know, you know I, 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 if I do the right things, you know, I'm in control of these vipers. No, you're never in control of the vipers. Balancing the energies of You're the never elements. in control, no, no. You're literally... Just, just balancing when you're gonna get bitten. Mm. So, so that's the recognition you have to. That's why, good man, do what you think. It's, it's the right thing to do. Oh, well, the right thing is to leave these vipers and run for my life. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that simile continues. So then, because afraid of the four vipers of fierce heat and deadly venom. That man would flee in one direction or another. They would tell him, Good man, five murderous enemies are pursuing you, thinking, Wherever we see him, we'll take his life right on the spot. Do whatever has to be done, good man. And that's... Uh, the five murderous enemies, this is a designation for the five aggregates subject to assumption, mm. form, feeling, perception, ter determinations, consciousness. These are the five murderous enemies. Mm. So there you go now. You, you, can, you, can, you can practice that um, seeing the danger in the four elements. So you, you, uh, you develop disenchantment towards the form and anything that comes out of it. Um, Or you can then carry on and do the same towards uh, perception, feeling, intentions, like other aspects. Like you can you can easily overlook. Okay, well this is not physical. This is not material. You know, certain significance of some feelings, ideas, notions. Mind you, it's always physical. You wouldn't have those things if you don't have the form. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, you know, the mind. Can can sort of find its ways of keeping its ignorance, <laughs> feeding it. So you want to you want to reflect further. Okay, so if if you approach it through the five aggregates, you think you outran the four great elements because you withdrew from the attachment to the body, maybe. But how about now attachment to your intentions, things you want to do, uh, things you feel, things you perceive. Do you enjoy perceiving, even if it's effortless, even if you're not seeking out these perceptions do you still enjoy the fact that you can perceive are you still bound with that so all these things that come as a result of those four great elements paired with consciousness the five aggregates they're the murderous enemies so even if you withdraw yourself from the from the four snakes now you're on the run from the five hired assassins hired murderers they're, they're seeking out to kill you on the spot so if if you get to meet these five, yeah. how would you, what would your attitude be towards them? Hey, how's it going? Let's let's talk about this. There literally is no talk. He said they'll kill you on sight. If they see you, they'll kill you. Well, you don't want. To. So you would hide. Yeah. You would not even want to be seen by form, by feeling, by perception, by intention, by consciousness. Mm. Let alone engage with it. Let alone try to reason with it. Being seen means getting killed. So next time, when there is a lingering feeling or something that you're acting out of, can you act out of a feeling if that feeling doesn't even see you? If you make sure you do not present yourself to that feeling, you don't take it up, you don't engage, you don't say, hey, hey, I'm here, I'm here. You keep it at a distance. You, you, know, you, you keep you yourself at distance. From a feeling. From the reason feeling. You can't keep the feeling at a distance. The, the murderous assassins, 
they they go as they please and come and, and seek you. So but you can keep yourself at a distance, mm -hmm. so they don't kill you. So the hiding place from the aggregates? He's keeping yourself at a distance. What is that? How do you do How do you keep yourself? Well, by not, uh, not acting out of it to begin with. Mm -hmm. By not welcoming the assassin into your home. By not seeking out and trying to, to fight back. By not, not pretending that, oh no, he's not, he's not going like, we'll talk about it, that I'm fine. Pleasant fine. feeling. Pleasant exactly. Feeling. That, well, that's, that's usually how the, the, like, if somebody wants to kill you, that's usually how it will work. Mm -hmm. L uh, lure you out. Mm -hmm. That's the whole, that's the whole premise of, of a bait. <laughs> so, so the, the, you would make yourself unknown for the feeling, for the intention, for the consciousness, for the aggregates. So you have your experience at home, whatever there is, in the, whatever mood is enduring, whatever feeling is enduring, whatever like pressure towards action, towards sensuality, towards ill will is enduring. You don't try to get rid of that. That would be like trying to chase away the murderer, mm -hmm. the five murderers. So you don't try to get rid of it. And you certainly don't, okay, I'll just do what they tell me to. Because that results in your death. You know, you say, come out, come out of hiding. We're not going to harm you. Come out of hiding. And you come out of hiding. So you don't act out of it. You don't try to get rid of it because that would also give away your position. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you have to allow it to endure. Mm -hmm. And by allowing it to endure and not acting out of it, you get to understand the nature of it. And certainly if you still had any notions of control over your feelings, intentions and aggregates, you will not. Because now you realize any form of being known or recognized by these things means death, means liability to death, to suffering. So your whole experience, hmm. you're surrounded by a danger. Yeah, l literally, like, not even, um, not even like you're s surrounded, I mean, figuratively speaking, I understand, but the point is, don't think that you have the like a sixth place where you can hide mm -hmm. from these five murderers. No. Five murderers are your five stepping stones. So you're always on someone's murdering field. Right. Yeah. Through your whole experience. Yeah. Through and through. So then the only way to hide is to basically like literally remove the ownership, let go of it, make yourself invisible towards whatever pressure is there enduring in you. Because that's really the problem. The people keep acting out of being contacted, being pressured. That's 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 the root of, of your all pr problems for every individual. If you were not acting out, these things would not deceive you then even more. So whatever feeling you have towards to, like anger, frustration, you don't act out. And that's always the, pr the problem when the problem does arise is after people acted out. If you were not acting, if you were not committing come on account of these things, they will, these things will not see you. They would just come, threaten, shout, try to pressure you towards action or lure you out with sensuality, uh, <coughs> sort of enchant you with beautiful sight, sound, smell, taste, touches, all of that. But still, if you were not choosing to step into that bait, domain of bait, domain of a trap, these things cannot persist forever. They would move on. But it's usually an individual who cannot bear that pressure, bear that pull, bear that enchantment. So that's the problem, really. Now, you can say, okay, so I'll just never act out of these things. That's fine, but these things are so deeply rooted that simply saying no to it and enduring it, you have to start like that. But then you really, you need wisdom as well in order to be able to, to actually fulfill not acting out of it. But then wisdom, yeah, for that you need instruction, as we said in previous talks, but at the same time, no amount of instruction, unless you're res uh, restrained first, unless your senses are restrained, as in you are restrained in regard to your senses, no amount of wisdom can take place even if the Buddha himself is teaching you there step by step. So you do need to be restrained. You do need to at least, out of a principle, not act when you're pressured by pleasure, by pain, by neutral feeling. So, see, you're already emulating Act, uh, like non-acting you're already emulating being invisible to the murderers and once you get to understand then it becomes even easier then you actually learn that there is this whole way of you can move around without being seen and Buddha often says that Mara can't see you develop the right view 
practice full abandon sensuality become Mara cannot you're invisible Mara cannot see you yeah what it means by Mara is that it's five aggregates yeah, sure five aggregates Every, yeah, senses whatever everything is Mara everything that appears belongs to Mara mm. So if you're engaging with it, you're engaging with Mara's possessions. So he has every right to do whatever he wants with you. Because mm. you, you, you do it willingly. Grab the bait willingly. You go after it. So then... Uh Afraid of the four vipers, of fierce heat and deadly venom, and, f and of the five murderous enemies, that man would flee in one direction or another. The Italian good man, a sixth murderer, an intimate companion, is pursuing you with a drawn sword, mm. thinking, wherever I see him, I will cut off his head right on the spot. Do whatever has to be done, good man. And that the sixth murderer, the intimate companion with drawn sword, this is a designation delight. for delight and lust. Yeah. Delight and lust, exactly. Yeah. So, you see, it's getting subtler and subtler. Right. So you can, okay, I see the peril of the four vipers. Mm -hmm. I see the peril of, the, of, the, of these five murderers. But still, it's even harder than, it's even subtler than to see the peril of your own delight towards anything pretty much however subtle it might be in your experience and that's exactly what I was saying <coughs> so it's like when you you choose to accept pleasure you choose to accept pain and try to get rid of it you choose to try to distract yourself from neutral feeling carelessly and that delight that arises in regard to these feelings that's even subtle thing you need to see as dangerous as in your own intention to give in is the most dangerous thing because that, that's, that's always quoted in that delight. How does delight result in? Always you giving in. You give me. Because delightful means friendly. Delightful means agreeable. Non-threatening. Friendly means not dangerous. Because it's friendly. How do you, again, imagine seeing a good friend. Delightful. A delightful person. There's nothing to fear in regard to this person. So that's what we compare it to intimate companion. So it's the closest friendly phenomenon you regard yourself, for yourself, your own delight, which is actually completely there on a, on a, on a false pretenses as your friend. He's just there to kill you. So that delight that always results in you giving in to this or that because you don't see the danger on account of delight, if you were to not do that, would you have to worry about the vipers of the five murderers? No. It's the delight that always sends you back to them, carelessly. Because if you were not delighting in anything, you'll never make yourself known or visible to the murderers, and you, know, you wouldn't have to look after the vipers. That's the doorway. That's, that's pretty much that. You that don't have to open like they can, everything around you can be bait set by Mara hmm. but none of that bait can pounce and bait you by itself you are always the one who makes that first and the last step towards it so if you were to learn to live surrounded by the bait and simply remove the slightest delight in engaging with the bait that's it, you're free Hunter cannot see you because he can only see you once you're trapped and he comes and checks the bait oh look there he is but if you never catch the bait, it's, oh, this bait is useless. Mm. You learn how to live around the bait. So you're trying to find where, where is that delight? How can I be mindful of delight as a phenomenon? Well, see, that's already... Well, if you want to be mindful of delight, first be mindful of the four vipers, then four. be mindful of the five, five murderers, mm. then you can see what's left there is your delight. You can't just... Intention towards... Well, exactly. That, that intention that's rooted in seeing non-danger or in not seeing danger so are there things like okay so your sense restrained you're celibate you're moderate in eating all that's great all that's building up but now you sit al alone in the solitude are there things you delight in as in oh let me <coughs> let me go for a delightful walk is it done with a delight 
the walk is not the problem if there's a purpose, but it's a problem if it's done out of delight, if you're delighting in it. Oh, let me go to sleep. Am I sort of joyful on account of the prospect of sleeping? You, you, you know. You know, you know. Yeah. So you really are. I'm so now that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the delight. So not, not like, I'll never sleep or I'll never walk again because everything is sensuality. No. It's your delight that's the problem. Walking is not sensual. But if you do it out of delight, yeah, you still keep yourself bound with the sensual domain and other things, even if you remain perfectly restrained for the rest of your life. If you want to uproot sensuality and that whole peril that comes with it, delight is that gateway mm. that must be shut. It sounds quite depressing. It does, it does. You know, of course, you're, you're surrounded by vipers, yeah, enemies, yeah, people yeah. trying to kill you. Well, it's only depressing because your mind still wants things to be otherwise. I mean, like you wouldn't be depressed if I tell you two and two is four. That's just, yeah, that's just how it is. Two and two is four. Mm-hmm. Only if you strongly wish for two and two to be six, you'll be depressed to find out that two and two is four. So you're not depressed because two and two is four, you're depressed because of your own misconceived expectations. Mm-hmm. So if you're depressed on account of the vipers and the factual murderers and stuff, well, yeah, it's because you're ignoring it, because you want things to be different things that are not in your control you want to be different so you yourself make yourself depressed but delight is yeah delight exactly you delight in these other ideas that are contradictory to reality of things Mm -hmm. so if you remove that there is no like like Arahant he's joyless he has no delight yet that's the greatest joy in the world once you develop it Mm -hmm. the safety across the shore you cannot be harmed because you're surrounded by Factually, again, it's not optional. Oh, if I don't think about this, if I don't read these suttas, these murderers will not come. No, we're telling you how, what you are, what your life is, what the aggregates are, describing the nature from a greater perspective than from somebody who developed it. So yeah, you can ignore it, and then literally be like like um, the, the the easiest prey, <laughs> or you can try and do something about it, which is that's always. Okay, good man. Do what you think is fit. Oh, it's fit to try and avoid this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because that's the thing. If you admit it, you realize the only fit thing to do is to to, to try and overcome this. Yeah, run and hide. And then he he keeps running, hiding, and he says, "Okay, now I have to hide further and yeah, further yeah. and further." So the intimate companion—that's what it is. You need to recognize the most intimate point of view that you have, that delight that comes with it, with your intentions, even things like okay, the things that are obviously harmful. But now even things that are not harmful, you know, against the precepts and stuff, are you delighting mentally in it? And it's that delight is the harm, is the danger. And it's hard to see because that, that has always been with you. That's always the closest to you. That's always in the heart of every intention that you act out of. Delight. My, my trustworthy friend, since the day I was born, I know this, this friend of delight. Mm-hmm. And yet, now you find out, oh yeah, he's there also to kill you. That was his sole purpose all this time. Just stabbing, to cut your head off. Stabbing in, stabbing in the back, back the time. when you fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> then Bhikkhu's afraid of the four vipers of fierce heat and deadly venom, the five murderous enemies and the sixth murderer, the intimate companion with drawn sword. Mm. That man would flee in one direction or another. He would, s- he would see an empty village. Whatever house he enters is void, deserted, and empty. Whatever pot he takes hold is void, hollow, and empty. They would tell him, good man, just now village attackers will raid this empty village. Do whatever has to be done, Mm. good man. And the empty village, this is the designation for the six internal sense bases. Mm. If Bhikkhu's a wise, competent, intelligent person examines them by way of the eye, and so on, they appear to be void, hollow, and empty. Yeah. Yeah, no, so if you... That's now even subtler. Well, don't rest on that either. Because that which is void, hollow, empty, unownable, that you have hidden away from all these previous murderers, vipers, and intimate companions, well, that also is about to be raided and, and swept away in a stampede of, of, of robbers and maniacs. So better 
Keep moving. Keep moving. So from the delight, moving away from you, it. Yeah, yeah. So you uprooted the delight. But you still rest upon the hollowness. That's like what we spoke in a few talks ago about non-being. Right, okay. Like, not delight, it's, it's not the delight that you have towards being, but still, you, the, the, the fact that you're resting, that you're not moving further away, that you're not seeing the danger even of that hollow, unownable things that you have no delight in, mm-hmm. means that to that extent, there is still that um, Arupa Bhava that we spoke about. The, the non-material, so to speak, being that you are, that you exist in, in that form. So there's no delight there, which is why often even um, in the suttas an anagami could, could just not think, he, he would think he's an arahant, overestimate himself. There are a number of cases in the suttas because things are so subtle now. There's no delight, no sensuality, nothing really from the world can harm you. And you're fully confident, you fully recognize that, see it for yourself. But there is the point that, yeah, okay, see now, those deep down inside, the hollowness, all that that you understood, abandon that as well. Because that too will be swept away. And to that extent, you will be exposed to, to, to suffering and peril. But by all means, everybody who is still dealing with the vipers, find an empty village. You'll be safe there, relatively speaking. In comparison, you'll be safe. Eventually, abandon that as well, but not before you have abandoned everything else that's actively seeking out to destroy you. Okay, sorry, I also said the village attackers, this is a designation for the six external sense bases. Mm. So the the eye is attacked by agreeable and disagreeable forms. Yeah, it's it's still, as I said, it's still pressured. Even if you're not acting out, you're not delighting, it's still being harassed by it. And sooner or later, it will be destroyed yeah. by the world. So, to that extent, you are, are you there? Yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if it's agreeable or disagreeable. The fact that there are sights for the eyes, that's th- disturbing in itself. Yeah. So, you can't then prevent, well, you already know that, otherwise, you wouldn't be in an empty village. You can't prevent sights, sounds, smell, taste, touches from besetting and, and attacking and harassing the other, <coughs> its in- internal counterparts. But you can certainly then remove even the subtlest notion of resting upon those internal counterparts <coughs> and then you will not be disturbed <coughs> not attacked not attacked by it yeah. so then because afraid of the four vipers of fierce heat and deadly venom and five murderous enemies and of the sixth murderer the intimate companion with the drawn sword and the village attackers that man would flee in one direction or another he would see a great expanse of water whose near shore was dangerous and fearful and whose further shore was safe and free from danger <coughs> mm. but there would be no ferry boat or bridge for crossing over from the near shore uh, to the far shore mm. <coughs> then the man would think there is this great expanse of water whose near shore is dangerous and fearful and whose ferry further shore is safe and free from danger but there is no ferry boat or bridge for crossing over. Mm. Let me collect grass, twigs, branches, and foliage and bind them together into a raft, so that by means of that raft, making an effort with my hands and feet, I sail into Nibbana. <laughs> yeah, I, I can get to safely across <coughs> that uh, far shore. Yeah. And, but it's, hold on, and being crossed over, gone beyond, the Brahman stands on high ground. Yeah. And that's always said for an Arhant. The, that's, he's the only one. Is thoroughly fully reached the safety mm. in this very life. The, the, the great expanse of water mm. is a designation for the four floods sensuality, mm. bhava, views, ignorance. ignorance. Yes, you must cross it all. You can't cross two or half or third of it. You need to cross the whole. You know, you can even be very close to the other shore, but you're still not on the other shore. Mm-hmm. Which is still not safe. Even if you're like two meters away from the safe shore and all the way you left the bad the bad shore. Right, you're in you're still you're still not mm-hmm. you're still not safe. And that near shore <coughs> which is dangerous and fearful mm. is a designation for identity. Mm. 
assumption yeah. of mine. Assumption but of mine, ownership, I am, sense of self, just whichever way you take it, that's what it is. That's where that's what identifies you, that's what defines you. But then near sure, right here, you know. Yeah, it's, that's me. Like through that, you see, even with that delight, that's already kind of in the heart of your being. Mm. Delight, that that kind of energy for life that you have, pretty much, that's already affected with delight. So how can you abandon delight and not lose energy for life? So by seeing the danger of it, that's like the um, that uh, Arahant in Terigata said: "I delight not in life; I delight not in death." I await my time like hireling his wage, as in I completed my work and waiting for the reward, for the payment of Parinibbana. So he doesn't want to die, but he certainly doesn't want to live either. Because life means engaging with the vipers. Life means engaging with the murderous um, um, sort of assassins. Means, means death, means peril, disagreeable. means agreeable, disagreeable, Still. pressure, that whole thing. It's a mess. It's, it's truly a peril. So you realize there is absolutely nowhere that you can rest upon. No, absolutely no room to set your foot that you, okay, I'm safe here. Unless you abandon it all. And that's same for this life. Or you know, like if, you, if, you, um, if you look at it from the point of view of samsara, every single time, it's always like that. So constant, constant peril from every direction and you are the one ignoring it. Not like that these things are not there to be seen and understood. No, you are choosing to look away and pretend it's not there. And that's why beings, due to their own actions, keep themselves bound, like that reappearance constantly, wandering around, roaming around that shore of samsara, where everything is just out to get you. And all because you don't see the danger. If you see the danger, you would not delight in it. It would not be possible to delight in it. If the further the shore, which is safe and free from danger, this is the designation for Nibbana. Mm. The raft is a noble eightfold path, making an effort with hands and feet. This is the arousing of energy. Mm. And yeah, the yeah, but by the way, you, you mm. could even just immediately skip the other bits and start making a raft as soon as you realize about the vipers. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, you don't need to wait. Mm -hmm. But the Buddha described the whole process. And as he, as he was describing that uh, the empty village, was a man with wisdom, with discernment, would see that. Which means without, most people would not even see. You don't even know what internal sense bases are. So either of these things, <coughs> yeah, if you can, great. If you already have wisdom to discern it, great. But either of these things, that is the vipers, the five murderers, the intimate companion. Uh, it's 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 enough for you to want to seek the other shore. But you can so start here. making your raft yeah. as soon as you realize that danger. Don't spend your time seeking safety on that shore because, as I said, you know five murderers, five murderers are relatively relatively safer than the four vipers an intimate companion is relatively safer than five murderers and four vipers it's subtler an empty village is relatively safer than intimate companion but either way you're still on that shore and one way or the other you will be killed by something so you better abandon it and if you start abandoning it then you'll you'll be going through all these um I don't want to say stages because it's a simile, they're not necessarily stages, but you would be, even if on a kind of vipers you want to practice the Dhamma, build a raft and cross into safety, you will get to see the, the relative safety of the internal internal basis, the, the relative safety of, of just the delight, if I control delight, if I don't give in to delight, I'm safe. <coughs> but all of that is still on that dangerous, perilous shore. So the point is to to actually seek all the way out, because often would happen even in the even those who did understand the Dhamma, they would stop perceiving the danger sufficiently enough, 
and then would not become arahants, not at least in this life. And that's what Buddha would say. He, like if he meets the Sotapanna, he would urge them, like basically stare the sense of urgency, scare them, scare them literally. Why? Because they still have work to do. They still haven't abandoned the village. They still haven't abandoned the delight. Yeah, they abandoned the vipers. They probably abandoned a great deal of five murderers. They understood the Nibbana. They understood the escape to the other shore. But they haven't abandoned it fully. So he would scare them. If he would meet Sakuragami or Anagami, he would also cause um, a rouse sense of urgency in them. Why? Because they still have work to do. If you meet an Arahant, he wouldn't. Why? Because he doesn't have work to do. And Arahant is the only one who actually crossed. Yet crossed over, gone beyond the Brahmin stands on high ground as the designation for the Arahant. Mm, mm. Yeah, so as depressing as it might sound, it's actually good news. Because the sooner you realize the danger, well, the sooner you start uprooting your own delight because of which you're exposed to the danger. You're not exposed to the danger because of the danger. You're exposed to the danger because you keep exposing yourself to the danger that's out there. So it's dangerous to you because you keep going there. You stop going there, it stays, things, the murderers are there. But now, they're not danger to you. Because they can't see you. And that's the joy. Well, out. that's the true joy. That yeah. you are actually yeah. safe from the sin. Yeah, that's true. Because, by the way, safety is the uh, the kind of underlying wish, underlying project. Even when you do engage with these things, you do it because you want that outcome of satisfaction, peace, non-disturbance, safety. Even when you engage with centrality, even when you try to angrily get rid of something, it's always because you want that outcome of, I don't want to be bothered. So, if you truly recognize that, is the universal goal of every individual to not be bothered, to be at ease, which it is, the goal, then you realize, okay, so now I have a choice how I go about it. Do I go by acting out of these things and hoping ease will come, or do I actually start thinking thinking about it on a deeper level and see actually is there something else I can do that is different to these obviously uh, insufficient attempts? Because, you know, the best case scenario in, in the life of centrality, non-restrained ill will is a very, very fragile and relative peace you get from the life. Even when, when, when there's nothing, you know, no great misfortune, everything is fine, you're still never at ease completely. You can't be. But you want to. Yeah. Tujina wants to be at ease. Mm -hmm. that everybody wants so to. So there you are. Nobody will say no to ease. Yeah. You have to bathe the thing feed the thing yeah. exercise things will get sick things will get grumpy yeah. all you did everything right yeah. the vipers just get cranky sometimes yeah. you're just a slave you see they, they quickly change yeah. sometimes they're completely ignoring you docile and then just snap and that's exactly what what the body is what the health is what the life is what the youth is what the strength is it can just be swept away just changes completely So it starts with those divine messengers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sickness, aging, death. But again, divine messenger means you recognize that message as as a future inevitability. Not like you wait for it to become inevitable reality to deal with it. Because if you wait to be sick, aging and dying in order to get rid of it, it's too late. So to see that right now, Within this life, that currently nothing bothering me, everything is fine. Oh, that's that's exactly fine. There's no problem with that. Now, within that, what is this life? That is fine. Liable to. Do I have a say in it? Yeah. Do I have a control in it? Well, how much say do you have in, in controlling the viper's mood and behavior and action? That's how much say you have. None. A divine message is like a divine highlighter. Of the nature yeah, of yeah, yeah. what's going on. Divine reminder. Divine reminders. Yeah. This is yours. The fact that it's not right now happening doesn't mean that you can avoid it. So what do you do? Well, don't stop avoiding it. Keep it at the background of your mind all the time. That's like the mindfulness of death. That the Buddha praises the quickest way, but a bit dangerous as well. 
if you're not ready but yeah so whatever you do good joyful whatever just keep the context that you might be dead within the next in and out breath so then you, you, you will be unable to enjoy <coughs> that delightful sensual sense you still do things you still eat think about like like uh, you, you know you have uh, this person who people who are on death row about to be executed in the states and mm -hmm. then they were given the last meal yeah whatever you want literally whatever you want and they would come with this like insane sort of menu would you enjoy it <laughs> doesn't matter it doesn't matter what they bring you the nicest the tastiest food literally you you're about to get killed so that cannot not be on your mind yeah, that's a whole so how would you relate to that meal when you cannot shake off the background of impending death that's mindfulness of death if you would but if you'd cultivate it not if you're just subjected to it against your will and you're still trying to like resist in it internally no. if you actually practice like that yeah you would basically fade away all the delight in no time or go mad in the process of doing so as many monks did in the suttas the ones that were not ready so the Buddha is like, okay, well, if you're not ready, maybe you know, tone it down a bit, but don't feel excused on account of, well, the Buddha said it's fine to tone it down. Well, no. He said it's fine to take a different approach, but you're still at a perilous shore. So the outcome of that mindfulness of death still needs to be developed one way or the other. So it's actually, you should be even with more sense of urgency, because mindfulness is the quickest way. Now you're choosing the non-quickest way because you can't handle the quickest way. So now you should be twice as careful because <laughs> you, you will have you're spending more time in a dangerous shore. So having that context of death, yeah. danger, hmm? you can't engage in sensuality to you know. to the extent of that delight. You can't. But the, and even that, by the way. Even if, if you were to engage with sensuality, to, to give in to the intention, okay, I'll do this quickly or something, even to that momentary extent, you need to willingly choose to ignore the context of death. If you willingly choose to not ignore the context of death, you will not be able to engage with sensuality, even if you decided to engage with sensuality. Say you decide to engage with sensuality, I will eat this, the most sensual dinner that they prepared for me, or, or any other sensual satisfaction, but I'll be killed immediately after that. I will be brutally murdered. So even if you choose to engage with it, the only way you can do that is to ignore the fact that you'll be brutally murdered right after. Because if you don't ignore it, none of that will be have any appeal. Literally. It's tasteless. No? Tasteless, yeah. Joyless. Yeah. But that's what I mean that joylessness that's frightening and like when people did kind of get a glimpse of what the Buddha was teaching they were like oh they, well they will kill me they will destroy me that is that's just like utter that's the worst Nibbana you teach and they would fall down on the ground in despair like, oh my that, that's, that's horrible but the, it's horrible not because it's horrible in itself it's horrible because of your expectations of that gratuitous joy and delight if you don't depend on it joylessness is great it's non-disturbing it's easy. You're invisible to it. It's not harmful. It's not dangerous. Yeah, this passion. But from the point of view of passion, this passion is the worst possible thing. Like an addict uh, trying to give up heroin. The addiction. All the reason won't help him. It's still the most horrible thing you can imagine, being without this. Like what will the life be without this? It's it's just it's too it's too depressing to think about. But not because the life will in itself be bad, it's just because of your gratuitously built up amplified assumptions and expectations that you can equally undo. Or when the people loved ones die, say. You have to now readjust to the world without that which was always there, taken for granted, as yours, for you, and so on. But the only reason you need readjustments is because you yourself drifted away from the reality of things. So the sooner you accept that, the sooner you readjust. And sensuality is that drifting away from Every reality. time, every time. 
it's it's perversion of reality, as the word would say. So both putting second is first, and first is second. Distorting yourself, you will. You're already aligning yourself with the right order of things, and you're already revealing the nature of that sensuality. That is, it's pressuring and dragging you around, and you're an addict already. So you're being mindful of death. Mindful of that, yeah. That's the, the result yeah. of. So again, when I say mindful, it doesn't mean like whatever thought yeah. pops up in your mind, you I must, I must think that, think that. No, no, no. Background context of death means you don't have to think about it; just don't forget about it. Have it at the back of your mind. Oh, I'm sitting here. I'm drinking. I'm getting up. I want to have some water, maybe. And I might die by the end of this day. I might die by the end of the meal. I might die by the end of this breath. Oh, that's a beautiful mountain. That's a beautiful river. Yeah, and I might die by the end of this breath. So maintaining the context means... If you're able to maintain the context, means you, you, you're beginning to contrast everything against that ultimate inevitable context. Mm -hmm. And that's how you lose disenchantment with these things because you are enchanted with them because you don't have the right contrast there is a there is a common uh, idea that if I keep the context of death in mind mm. that I will enjoy life more right, right remember you will die sure so now will so that will be the result of yeah. that context of yeah. death but that's not but death in, no yeah. that's not contemplation like you don't really see that death pertain because death pertains to you right now Mm. When those people think that, they think of death in 20, 30 years' time, which doesn't pertain to death. It's an imaginary idea of death. No, he doesn't know, but I might die literally next second. Oh, then you feel it, and then you will not, oh, let me go and quickly do many things. No, but I might literally die even before I start doing these things. Yeah, you want to get it real, real yeah. close. Well, you really want to make it pertain to you. Mm. But as I said, you should only do it if you have been keeping the precepts, been well restrained, not pursuing sensuality, because if you jump into it, it will, it will crush you like a little bug. Just anxiety will be too overwhelming. And happened to the monks in the past, happened to the monk contemporary times. I mean, I met a number of them. Many of them, like, well, lost their minds. And like, this rope, that was the like, best-case scenario. But, yeah, like, because it's, it's play with fire. That can quickly burn all the kalesas or completely incinerate you in the process of doing so. And the whole sutta was when all those monks went and jumped off the cliffs and got that man to kill them because they were so disgusted with it and the death and death. And then the Buddha said, what happened? Well, you know, that contemplation you gave us killed half of the monks. They couldn't handle it. And he said, okay, well then do mindfulness of breathing instead if you can't handle it. Which still results in the same. We spoke about that in other talks. Yeah. 